Well, good morning, everyone. How are you doing this morning? All good? So, uh, as most of you know, we've been, in, we've been involved in a, this ongoing series uh, called Aliens, uh, which has been a study of uh, this letter that the Apostle Peter wrote to Christians in the early church, uh, explaining to them that, you know, because of their faith in Jesus, because of their, their love for God, because of their reverence for God, their desire to, to obey Him, that they were going to be sometimes misunderstood by the people around them. You know, their culture would, would view them as a strange and alien people. And uh, we finished up the study of the text uh, last Sunday, but this week I was thinking more and more about it and, and about how, you know, one of the primary ways that these, these early Christians were so different from other people uh, it, was, it was about the way that they viewed suffering and the way that they, they dealt with suffering uh, in their lives. In fact, um, early on in the letter, uh, Peter wrote them this. He says, you guys have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, all kinds of trials. In other words, it wasn't just about them experiencing suffering, you know, in terms of the common human suffering, sickness and loss, those kind of things. But they were suffering on top of that because of Nero, because of uh, the, the persecution that, um, that Rome was, uh, was executing on these, on these believers. Uh, it was brutal. You know, they were suffering the brutal things, uh, physical abuse, uh, loss of property and, 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 and jobs, and they were suffering poverty, they were suffering imprisonment, and many of them lost their lives. They were killed because of what they believed. And so their suffering was, was significant. And uh, I realized, you know, for many of us in this room, uh, we'll probably never, Lord willing, never have to endure that kind of suffering. But just because we don't, doesn't mean that that doesn't happen to some people today. And uh, I was recently uh, introduced to a young man who experienced many of the things that, uh, that we've been talking about. And I've known him only for a short time, but he's been, he's been a, an inspiration to me in that short time. Uh, his name is Saul Abima, and uh, I want you to hear his story. Listen to this. Let's welcome Saul. He's here with us. So um, you've been through a lot. You're 37 yes. years old, years young. Yeah, and you've been through an awful lot, haven't you? Yes, but um, I'm grateful to God for His guidance, for His protection, and uh, presence throughout all the trials that um, the life has taken me through. So I thank God. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing now, Saul. Uh, currently, I'm working as a hospice chaplain with Advocate Healthcare in Des Plaines, but also work as a volunteer uh, pastor of Congregational Care Lombard Bible Church, uh, just down the street from here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're also working on your doctorate. Yes. Yes. I'm. Um, I'm hoping to graduate uh, next June mm -hmm. uh, with my doctorate in ministry. Yeah, it will be Dr. Saul. <laughs> Next time, it's Dr. Saul. <laughs> so um, I know you, you've, you've done some pastoring in, 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 in churches, but you, you were sharing with us that you feel drawn to uh, chaplaincy and with hospice. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, uh, what happened is that when I was graduating with my uh, Master's in Divinity in 2008, 
uh, I was required to do internship. Um, but I was already working in a local church in the neighborhood here. So the director or supervisor said, why don't you do your internship in a different kind of setting? Uh, then I became uh, a volunteer chaplain at uh, a hospice here in Addison. So as I, I began to visit the hospice patients, um, I found a sense of realness, a sense of authenticity that I wasn't finding in the church. Uh, I found that the people in the church uh, where I was going to had these so many masks that it was really impossible, almost hard to be real. But when I went to hospice, you know, the raw realness of, of, of life there attracted me to you. Like you say, how are you doing? I'm feeling terrible. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm in good company here. <laughs> but then I, it took me into a moment of theological reflection. Why do Christians in America, why is it that we spend so much money putting on so many masks whereby we cannot be real with each other? Uh, 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 why is it that we cannot be authentic? Why do you have to hide <laughs> whether things are going well or whether things are going bad? Why is it that we don't share uh, life? Why don't, you know? So I was wondering, uh, could it be that other Christians are judgmental? Could it be that we are just, it's part of us to just be isolated? What could it be? But you know, brother, when I went to hospice and journeying alongside, when you're in hospice, the doctor has made a diagnosis that you'll have at least six months or less. Well, we have some people that live longer, maybe even three years or so. But when you have that diagnosis where you have six months or less to live, that's when uh, the doctors recommend hospice. And my job is to journey alongside those people. And uh, it's been uh, tremendous. It's, it's life-changing. So I'm at home there. Mm. Yes. Suffering has a way of pulling out all, and getting rid of all the pretense and all the fake, and right? Yes. You see, there's a, you see, it's almost two ways. There in hospice, suffering gets away all the masks so people mm -hmm. can be real. But I've noticed in churches where suffering uh, either isolates people <laughs> or they keep piling up more masks, you know. Even if you're broke, keep getting so many credit cards so that <laughs> you can leave the illusion of comfort, you see. So in hospice, suffering has a way of getting people, you know, be open. But in some churches, in, in some Christian communities, when, when people, like when you lose a job, then they just withdraw. They withdraw from the community. They stop coming to church when they're going through tremendous pain. They stop coming to church. They're just closed in. But shouldn't suffering bring us more together? Shouldn't it be that we can share life together and share our deepest struggles with each other? Uh, like I was telling pastor, I'm a testament. Uh, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be alive, but God has used people who are willing to step into my pain <laughs> and journey alongside me. And this is my dream for the church in America, where we can be an authentic community, a community that represents God, 
the image bearers of God's kingdom, where we can share our pain with each other, where we can be true and worship God. To Look at us here. We can worship God together from so many nations, so many cultures. But why don't we share life together and be authentic? A brother was sharing with me at One of my Christian brothers was sharing me in the lobby, said, maybe sometimes when, when, when I say, how are you doing? I don't even wait to hear the answer. You're already walking <laughs> over. So, <laughs> we live in a culture that is hurrying. <laughs> that hinders authentic living. Hmm. Yeah. The, the Christians in the first century that Peter was writing to, you know, they were suffering some, some really awful things at the hand of Nero. And... Um, but they had nowhere else to run. They had nowhere to go except to each other yeah. and experience community uh, together in the, in the context of that suffering. And that's hard for Americans, I think, because of our culture. You know? And I know we, we've talked about the difference between uh, the church in America and the church in Africa. It's pretty different. Yeah. Uh, the difference is uh, it's big. Uh, in, in Africa, especially in South Africa, where I was in ministry, um, people live life, life, faith is lived in community. I am because we are. When one person is sick, it's like the whole church is, they don't wait for the pastor, the whole church is there. When somebody's in the hospital, <laughs> you find the, the Christian, the brothers and sisters are there, they're singing or they've brought food or praying, they support each other. And when I came to America, that was one of my struggles, uh, where life, maybe it's the culture, life is lived in, in a very individualistic nature, where maybe even sometimes to visit with a friend, maybe you might have to make an appointment. Can I stop over at 2 p.m., you know? <laughs> well, where I come from, the door is open. You can come in any time. <laughs> you don't just call. You find somebody already in your house watching TV. I'm here to visit you. Hey, I wasn't here. <laughs> but authentic community. When you think of the Trinity, God exists in the Trinity, Father, Son, and the Spirit, that's a community. Why is it that we can't live in that sense of community? Jesus' prayer that they may be one. And this is the task for us as Christians. Maybe it is the task for us as church leaders mm. to build these authentic communities where you can come and be yourself. I know um, culture plays a big part uh, where people are so private. You see the thing, you can have like 10,000 friends on Facebook and still be lonely, isn't it? <laughs> and still feel isolated. But when Christian brothers and sisters can share life together and can share their own struggles together and say, brother, I'm struggling with this. Can you pray for me? You know, and I know that I, he won't judge me and I know that he's going to pray for me. You know what? We are not finished yet. We are a work in progress. I'm not perfect. Even as a preacher, I can't be perfect, you see? But recognizing that we can be vulnerable with each other to build authentic faith communities to represent the kingdom of God here on earth, being the salt of the earth. I was sharing with Saul in the other services that I just read a study 
that uh, came out. It was done by researchers at Duke University and uh, University of Arizona. Uh, they've studied American culture, and what they're finding is uh, one in every four people say that they're lonely in America. They, they, they say, I don't have anyone I can go to uh, to share my, my, my victories or my failures. I have no one. And when you pull family out of that number, it, it doubles to over 50%. 50% of Americans today say, I have no one to go to um, to share, share my, my, my faults with, to share life with. And that is, um, that is a sad commentary on our culture uh, but, you know, I think the church is called to be countercultural. Yeah. And so, you know, for us here uh, at Parkview, you know, we, we're trying to encourage all of our people to get into smaller communities, into what we call life groups, because this is a community event. You know, we have a lot of people come on Sunday, and it's fun. We sing, we learn, we encourage each other, we can pray together. But you can't really do life in this big, giant group of people. It just doesn't happen. I mean, there's no, we don't hold each other accountable because you just can't in terms of numbers. And so we're really trying to, to, to facilitate the kind of community that you're talking about. And we need, we need leaders from you who come from cultures where community is just part of life to help us figure out how to do that because without it, we're just alone. And when suffering comes, that's, that's challenging. You see, my brother and sister, suffering uh, is a tough experience. And maybe as I talk here, some of you are just in the middle of your trials. You're going through those tough times. You see, the thing with suffering is that sometimes you, it, it isolates you. Sometimes you feel isolated from God. Does God still love me? God, why am I going through this? And sometimes even in that statistic, you, you know, you feel like your family and your friends don't understand you. So suffering has a way of isolating people. Uh, uh, and, and what some people do is they stop going. They stop coming to communities. They just withdraw. They become extremely isolated, then you add that statistic to it. That's why there's so much suicide. The suicide rate in America is really, really high. Because when people are going through suffering, which is a painful experience, they withdraw from community. They withdraw from, uh, from coming to church. They're just isolated. And this is what I'm saying. It is in that tough time that you need the community. Instead of pulling away, you have to pull in, you have to come in. But we have to create a culture where we can be free with each other. And that's why the concept of small groups that you're, that you're studying, it is great. And I personally would encourage you, if you're a member or you're a guest or you're a seeker, to plug in into those small groups where we together we can live life in a community where we can be authentic with each other, where we can share our deepest sorrows, our joys, our triumphs, and our tribulations. We need that kind of community. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for a community of people that stepped in, that journeyed alongside me. Otherwise, it's easy to just go and take so many pills and die and end it there but having people to journey alongside you and praying with you and encouraging you when you feel weak, it is important. So if you're going through some trials right now in your life, don't withdraw. 
we have pastor here and we have uh, <laughs> lots of qualified staff. I said I was touring the church and the offices up, upstairs, they're quite impressive. Qualified people here who are willing to journey alongside you. We have church leaders, church elders, your, all your brothers and sisters here who have grown up and their faith is strong. Talk to somebody. Let's encourage each other. Let's be that faith community that God wants us to be, that strengthens each other. I remember pastor uh, in South Africa. Um, I, I, it's not in the video. I didn't put it in the video. But um, after one week when I was inside the church, uh, living there, you know, we made the chairs, put the chairs together, and then slept there. In South Africa, the police uh, have the power to profile so if they see that you don't look like a South African, they have the power to stop you and say, where are your legal documents to live in South Africa? So it happened, I was just walking down the street and the police stopped me. And I didn't have legal documents to live in South Africa. Then I was taken to a deportation camp. Uh, it is in Zulu, it's called Lindela, where you wait there until your government, your ambassador signs the legal papers for you to, to be deported back to your country. So I'm there, I was arrested and I'm in Lindela. You know, you only ate one meal a day at 3 p.m. until the next day at 3 p.m. But the church was praying for me. They would visit, they would pray, and they would say, oh, we are with you. And inside the camp, we had prayer warriors there today, a bunch of Nigerians and other West Africans. They would wake up in the morning and begin to sing, The Lord who answers by fire, yo, let him be my God, the Lord who answers by fire. <laughs> Praying. I was weak to pray. In fact, maybe I was in a moment of crisis. But the believers were standing in the gap for me, strengthening me. And you know what? Out of nowhere, the director of the deportation camp called the lawyers for human rights to come and hear my case. The lawyers for human rights came, they came up with some journalists and they, they pleaded my case and I was released. And that is when I went back to church, I did everything. I was the youth leader, I was the usher, I was the greeter, I did everything. <laughs> I felt like God had given me a second chance to live had taken me from the, from the teeth of death. Because if I was deported, the Sudanese ambassador came and signed all the paperwork. If I was deported back to Sudan, I was going to be put on the firing squad and shot dead because I was part of the group that fought against the government. But you see, that is when a community of faith stand together for you and plead the case for you and support you and journey alongside you. So don't withdraw. As image bearers of God's kingdom, let us come together in unity and be willing to be vulnerable. You see, some people think that if you say, Pastor, I have this weakness, they think it is a sign of weakness, but it is a strength that we can share life together and pray with each other. At the end of the day, I don't know about you, but I need you. We need each other, and that's how I view life. Yeah.
One of the things that Peter emphasizes in his letter is that suffering happens, you know, to Christians, to everybody. And uh, for for me, um, over the years, uh, it seems to me that you have to prepare for suffering before it hits, because if you're not thinking about it or preparing yourself for it, uh, when, when when suffering enters into your experience, it, it's devastating, you know, and I think part of preparation is understanding suffering. It's also understanding the role community plays in it. Yeah. But as someone who's gone through a lot uh, in life, uh, if you were to offer just some simple advice to the church in, in America, to our church, um, what, what would it be? Pastor, just like you said, and like Jesus said, you go through trials and tribulations, but take courage. I have conquered the world. We will go through suffering. Uh, that's a given. It may not be as, as mine, but your suffering will also. So what do we do in those moments of suffering? One is to seek advice, to seek comfort, to talk to people, trusting people to pray with you, to journey alongside you. Do not withdraw. Do not plug yourself out. I have a friend that lost a job and they stopped coming to church. You see, so do not pull yourself out when you're going through suffering. Let the believers know to encourage each other. You look at the church in the book of Acts, Mm -hmm. how they were together. If everybody had something, they brought it to the church and the church stepped in. And the church wants to be that community. So do not isolate yourself and end up committing suicide alone in in your place, but plug in into community. Connect with people. Let them know, my brothers and sisters, I'm going through this situation. You know what, yes, some Christians feel uncomfortable. (laughs) When you come to it, they say, my brother, I lost my job. They won't know what to say, but it's okay. You don't have to always have a nice word. You can't solve it. So let me pray for you. You see, so sometimes it's because Christians feel awkward because they don't know how to respond to a crisis. You know, I visited, um, uh, I have a patient. Uh, she used to be in the choir at church. So I asked her, do you, want, do you want, should I call the pastor and some people from the church to visit you? Say, no. I don't want them to see me like this. But the thing is, that is the community you need. So let us reach out to each other. Don't suffer in isolation. Because you know what? From suffering to depression to chronic depression, so many things. But we are your church. We are a community. My advice is let us reach in. And now... Encourage each other. The thing about suffering is it it does one of two things. It it either either pushes people away from God and into isolation or it pulls people toward God and into community. My hope for us as a a church is that it does the latter. But uh, we would appreciate your prayers. Would you pray for us this morning? Yes. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. You are our God. You are our King. We come before you in total surrender. We confess where we have sinned against you in thought, in word, and in deed.
We pray, mighty God, that you may strengthen us in our walk with you. Right now, I bring those among us who are going through tremendous grief, tremendous pain and suffering. I pray, mighty God, for comfort, that may heal those wounds of broken hearts, that may heal the wounds of, uh, caused by different pains in our lives. I pray for those who are here who are going through different sicknesses. I pray for healing, for you are our healer. Guide us. I pray for those among us who have lost their loved ones and in moments of grief. I pray for comfort. And for those seekers who are trying to get to know more about you, I pray, God, that you may give them the inspiration to know you as Lord and personal Savior. Give them the revelation to come to the personal relationship with you. Gracious God, we are weak, but strengthen us. Empower us, even as we go throughout this week, to live out our faith. We pray, mighty God, that you may continue to journey alongside us, that our lights continue to burn, to shine brighter and brighter for your divine kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you all for being with us uh, this morning, and, and maybe you're going through some things in life that are really hard, you know, they're, they're mo- they, these are moments of suffering for you, maybe for your family. Following the service, um, our prayer team folks will be down front, and we encourage you to come. Be prayed for. I mean, that's, that's why we're here. Don't isolate yourself. Don't run away, but uh, open up and let the church be the church. I want to thank Saul for being with us this morning, and he'll be down front. I encourage you to, to uh, greet him and, and say hello, say, hello uh, say hi to him. Uh, but here's the deal. Look, uh, our world, there's no one in our world that denies the suffering. Everybody knows it's a reality in life. Atheists will say suffering's a reality. Buck up and deal with it because there's no meaning to it. It's a random deal. There's nothing, there's nothing ahead. Just you know, live your life the best you can, and then that's it. Uh, religion says suffering's a reality, so be good, be a good person, as good as you can be, because hopefully at the end, when you face God, he'll be pleased enough to say, okay, welcome to heaven, to paradise, nirvana, or whatever. And yet we all know we can't be good enough, and that, that effort just crushes us and just adds to the suffering. Christianity alone says the world is a broken place and suffering is a reality. And the only hope for us is the grace of God, both for today and and for the future. And Jesus came to offer us life. And uh, in that we have hope and assurance of life, not only just for today, but life everlasting. And uh, embracing the grace of God, experiencing it, accepting Christ as your savior uh, is the first step toward, I believe, toward really handling and understanding suffering uh, in this life. And I hope you've done that. And if not, uh, I encourage you to do it. Talk to someone you know from Parkview. Let them share their story with you. But at some point or another, you have to decide which is it you believe. Is it atheism? Is it religion? Or is it Christianity? Is it the grace of God and Jesus? Those are the options. I hope you choose the right one, which is Jesus. Uh, Let me pray for us, and then we're dismissed. Our Father, I pray this morning that you would grant us the, the understanding and the wisdom, the courage to be the church as you intended it to be. No masks no pretense, no arrogance, but just doing life together, uh, being honest with each other, being open with each other, that we might support one another through the good times and the bad, 
and the times of triumph and the times of trial. Um, we pray for you to help us to, to understand what that looks like and that you would help us have the courage to enter into smaller communities in which we can do life together. And when the times of suffering comes, we're not alone, we're not isolated, we have one another. And as we do that, as we live that way, it'll be different from what our culture sees. And I pray that you give us, give us unity, give us oneness, give us a love and a commitment for one another that, that, that gets the attention of our culture and gives us the opportunity to point them to Jesus. And so now may your hand of grace and peace rest on your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next week.